All right, uh, I do, before we begin this uh, morning and have our time spent in the Word together, I uh, have something that I want to share with you, a decision that our elders and deacons made uh, last Thursday night at our meeting, and I will just read to you the text of uh, what you will be receiving in, in email today as well to inform you. In an effort to expand the reach of our ministries and to continue to increase participation in our ministries, as of July 1st, we will remove the mask requirements, building restrictions, and food service limitations for all ministries and service positions, except for the 8 a.m. service. We continue to request that masks be worn in the building until 9.15 a.m. We will continue to welcome anyone to wear masks as they see fit at any service or ministry and are eagerly looking forward to ministries operating at full capacity by September. We will continue to provide live-streamed services as well. We do know that uh, as a congregation, as leadership, that many of our people still do have concerns about large group gatherings uh, in this kind of an environment. That's why we're committed to keeping that 8 a.m. mask required service at this time. Uh, that is something we're choosing to do out of love for them uh, that want to uh, have that caution and not because we feel that we are mandating it to everyone else. We also uh, we want to, everybody to know that there, we're, there are still some who have not returned, and when they return, they're likely to return to a mask-required service. And so we're uh, going to keep that service uh, intact. Uh, and at this time, all services and the structure of our mornings uh, is not going to change. But be praying for us because, obviously, uh, we have to continue making decisions as we move forward on what is going to be best for this body of believers, for the unity of all, and to serve all and, and give all of us an opportunity to participate in ministry, to, to, uh, to be hearing the Word of God preached and taught, uh, and to be growing together uh, as believers in Christ. So, all right. So now, if you have your Bible, open it up with me to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Being Father's Day, I chose a passage of Scripture that I hope would be especially challenging to us as dads. However, Everything that we're going to see in God's Word today is equally important for every single one of us as believers in Jesus. And my prayer is that, that it will help us to see God's heart for discipleship and apply these truths to our lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, we read, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I give you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. 
Last week for our communion devotion, we, we looked at salvation and, and sanctification and glorification. We, we took a 64,000 foot view of that, looking down on that, that process that we all go through. And we focused on the fact that in Christ, when we are in Christ, that changes everything. And that every believer must be growing in their relationship with Christ. That growth and change is empowered by the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. This week, we'll begin to start to break down what this means and what this looks like for us. As we think this summer about discipleship and how that applies to us in, in this body of believers, we'll see our responsibility to see the truth of God's Word, to make changes in our lives, and then to teach that to others. You see, Moses was commanded to teach these statutes and commands to God's people. This is an important part of Scripture in the Old Testament. In fact, beginning in verse 4, it's what the Israelites referred to as the Shema. The Shema became part of the daily prayer routine of the Hebrew people. And it gets its name from the first word of the prayer in Hebrew, which can be translated as hear or listen. The Shema has functioned for the Jewish people both as like a pledge of allegiance and a hymn of praise. It was something that they would, that they would, they would recite as a pledge to God, but they would also recite it as a hymn of praise for all God had done for them. God communicated this directly to Moses and instructed him, teach this to the people. So as we talk about discipleship and what it means to be a disciple and to make a disciple's, to make disciples, at its most basic definition, a disciple is this, one who accepts and assists in the spreading of, doctor, of doctrines of another. So a disciple understands, knows, and assists in spreading the message of the one that they are being discipled by. Using the Shema, God commanded Moses to begin the very first discipleship program that we see in human history. And the first thing that I would like us to think about this morning as we dive into the Word is that discipleship begins with loving God. Verse 1 begins, Now this commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. It's important for us to notice that, that Moses had been commanded by the Lord your God. He doesn't say, this is, this is some far-off, distant God, some, some God that maybe you have heard of. Moses reminds them that this is your God, the one that you love, the one who loves you, the one who has brought you out in the Exodus, the one who has, has led you and guiding you. He is a God who loves you and is caring for, is leading you. He is your God. And, and so we need to see that loving the Lord is the foundation of and catalyst for genuine discipleship. All genuine discipleship should be built upon the foundation of a love for God, and, and, be, and, and a love for God should be the catalyst for us to disciple others. You see, you cannot disciple others into the truth that you are not first applying in your own life. If we want to lead others into godly living and to know the Lord, we must first be applying God's truth in our own lives. God always wants our obedience to him to flow out from our love for him. 
Jesus taught this very same concept to his, to his disciples. He said, if you love me, do what I say. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, you will obey me in and with your life. Jesus could have just demanded that his disciples obeyed him and did what he said. But he wanted that obedience, that faithfulness to flow out of their relationship with him and their love for him. And in fact, if we are understanding that and applying that truth to our lives, one of the beautiful things about it is others around us will see what we love and value the most. It can become blatantly obvious in someone's life what they truly love and value the most. You see, throughout history, the people who have, the, who have had the greatest impact for the kingdom of Christ and for the name of Jesus have been those who have loved God most deeply and most passionately. In fact, when, when we hear Paul say things like, follow me as I follow, follow Christ, we're compelled to go deeper into a walk with Christ because we know exactly what Paul did for the name of Jesus. We, we see all the sacrifices that Paul made in the name of Christ. When, when Paul says, for me to live is Christ to die is gain, we know that that is just not some hyperbole. He has lived in such a way that his life became less important than the name of Christ and the gospel message. We saw this in his life as he was willing to sacrifice everything to serve the God that he loved. We saw it. And when we read biographies of, of great saints in our world, we're compelled to, to understand their love for God and how that motivated them to, to live those truths out passionately. And how God used that passion and love for God to, to bring others to Him. We've seen it. And when we see men like John Piper passionately preach and teach and commit their lives to the proclamation that Jesus is worth it, when, when they tell us that Jesus is my greatest treasure, we can believe it because we've seen the sacrifice that they have made to preach and teach. We've seen how they love Him and live for Him. We, we've seen it played out in the decisions that they make, that, that they put the things of the Lord above the things of this world. And we should see that. And we should want to imitate that. And in your life and in mine, when we are living our faith out in the way that, that God's love is the foundation of everything, people will see that truth in our lives. So if we desire to see others growing in their love for Jesus, we have to be passionately growing in our love for him ourselves. In, in the good times and in the bad. That too was part of what we looked at last week. And, and, and we will see throughout this summer that our love for God is at the heart of everything we do in making disciples for Him. Our next point that I want us to look at this morning is that discipleship is obeying the Lord's command. It starts with a love for God, and then we obey the Lord's commands. Being a disciple of Jesus and making disciples involves much more than simple obedience but it does not involve less. We are called to a life of obedience. 
And we need to make sure that we understand that. That is at the heart of what we do. We love God and we obey what he says. God makes it clear to his people that he wants us to know what he commands. And then he wants us to obey those commands in our lives and pass those commands and those teachings on to others. This passage is also an early evidence in Scripture that our faith is supposed to be lived out in a community of believers. We are not intended to live our faith out as individuals separate from one another. The commands of God are most often given to his people in the context of the body of believers who have the same love for God, the same passion to serve him, the same passion to grow in him and to walk with him. We need to understand that we are created to be surrounded by others who share that passion and who want to spur us on and challenge us in that pursuit. And that way, when when someone is weak, a, a strong brother or sister in Christ can come alongside them and disciple them and encourage them and lift them up. And when we're weak, we have brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside and to lift us up. That's what a life of discipleship committed to God looks like. We love him, and then we obey what he has commanded. So what does this obedient life shared with a group of others around us look like? Well, in our context of Deuteronomy 6, the first thing that we see is that obedience flows from a heart that properly understands the Lord. In verse 2, Moses tells the Israelites that they have been given these commandments that they may fear the Lord. He tells them that we know these things and these truths about God to lead us into a deeper understanding of who God is and a greater fear of who he is. When we have a proper understanding of who God is, his righteousness, his holiness, his omniscience, his omnipotence, that he is perfect and just in all of his ways, when we understand God to truly be who he has communicated himself to be in his word, we understand that he is the Lord God. He is the one true God. And that's the kind of understanding that we need to know to, to, to live a life of discipleship for him. Last Thursday, we also had a great conversation on what it means to fear the Lord at our, at our discussion with the deacons and the elders. We discussed that, that fear could be translated as an awe of God or a reverence for God. But Dan rightfully reminded us that of Isaiah's words that he said, but God is holy, holy, holy. And, and, and when Isaiah understood that we serve this omnipotent, holy, and righteous God, he was undone. He was wrecked by that thought because he is so holy and we are not. And that leads us to a, a proper understanding of God and a fear for him. So we, like Isaiah, should be undone. We should be wrecked in the, present of our, in the presence of our righteous, perfect, and holy God. And we should know that we cannot stand before him were it not for Christ. And so we obey God because we know him. Not the God that we've made up in our own minds, but the God that he has revealed himself to be in his word. And we know that he is worthy of our obedience and our life committed him. And when we love God, there are also blessings that come along with that 
life of obedience. Look at verse 2 again. That you may fear the Lord your God, your, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Moses said, do these things that you have been commanded and teach them to your children and teach them to your grandchildren. Help them to obey them well and you will be blessed. Dads, if we are disciples, our mottos cannot be do as I say, not as I do. It must be, I know the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, who sent his son Christ Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I want you to know him too because I love him and I want to obey him and you should too. And we are flawed and we are sinful. And yet, when we demonstrate to our children, to those around us that we want to disciple, that, that it is only in Christ that all of these truths can be made true in us and they can know Christ too. It is a beautiful beautiful thing. But for us to do this, we must constantly be training our heart and mind to hear the truth. Verse 3 and 4 summarize those last two points for us succinctly. Moses talks about God's blessing and, and, and how obedience and, and then God will, will bless that. But there's a simple refrain in there that we must hear. The word that we get the, the English word Shema from. That's that translation. Hear. Hear this. Listen to this. You must hear this. We must open our ears and our heart and hear these truths so that we can obey. It's not in our nature to obey the Lord. It's, it's not in our nature to listen and hear any authority in our life. So if we are a disciple, we must constantly be training our hearts and minds to hear the truth. I love the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. The first line of that song says, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. It's a simple recognition that, that God, our creator who loves us, is the fount of every blessing in our life. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And, and we, our response to the blessings that God gives us should be, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Help my heart come into, the, into harmony with the truth of your word. Help my heart to be committed to an understanding of what your grace means in my life. Tune my heart, Lord, when it's out of key and make me your obedient servant. Bring me in line with the truth. We must tune our hearts to sing of the blessings of God, to understand his grace, and to sing those things. And likely our hearts are constantly in need of tuning because Moses immediately follows up these verses about the blessings that come from obedience with the challenge that God must be our greatest treasure. Look with me again at verses three through five as a unit. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. They've been promised this blessing of, of a land flowing with milk and honey. But then in verse 4 is where we read the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. You've been promised these great 
promised these great blessings in your life. But what is more important than that is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. Take your eyes off of the blessing and hear this, O Israel, put your eyes on the one true God. You see, obedience expresses our love for God in a concrete and practical way. Our obedience is a way for us to demonstrate that God truly is our greatest treasure. While faith is not something that's visible, the expression of our love for God in obedience is something that others can see. And so we must love God with everything we have and everything we are. And it isn't only when we're praising God because of the blessings in our lives. Perhaps the the greatest way that we truly can communicate that, that God is our greatest treasure is that we praise Him even in the midst of difficulty, trial, or persecution. You see, we must treasure God more than the blessings in our lives. And whether we are going through good times or bad times, we have an opportunity to demonstrate to the world that God is our greatest treasure. That we love Him more than the blessings that He provides for us. And unfortunately, the fight's not over. After we have trained our heart and mind to hear the truth, we must fight to remember the truth every day. As we're training ourselves to know these things, it's a daily battle. Just because I chose to be obedient to the commands of God and to teach them to those that I love yesterday, it is not a guarantee that I will do that today or tomorrow. we're, We're to love God with all of our heart and soul and might, and we must fight daily to remember these things. Verse 6 says, And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. He tells them, you've got to know these things, you've got to apply them to your life, you've got to teach them to your children, you've got to do these things. And then these things must always be on your heart. Dads, I think this is a reminder for us that the battle wages on. Will your kids see daily that you love God? That you love His commands? Will they see daily when you fail that you run to the grace of Christ? Will they see that you are pursuing the Lord every day? Or will they only see that you go to God when you've been given great blessings? Will you only go to God when He is providing for you? They need to see our hearts being in tune to God every day because discipleship is obeying God's commands each and every day and applying His truth to our lives and teaching those truths to others. Our second main point this morning is that discipleship is sharing our love for God and obedience with others. So so it's not just enough for us to love God and to live that out. It truly is amazing to me how much people can observe indirectly from our lives. Our children can see us at our best and at our worst. And so they know whether we are truly loving God with all of our heart. And and children are so very perceptive. They pick up so much more than we would like them to when they're watching. And they can catch the truth without us saying a word. But it isn't enough for us to hope that our children catch on to these things. 
If we want to be someone who is making disciples for Christ, it is not enough for us to hope that they catch on to these truths. Verse, t- verse 7 tells us that we must teach them diligently to your children. If we truly love God the way that we profess, we must pass that love on to our kids. If God is our greatest treasure, we would be fools to not to want our children to know him. But I have news for all of you, and if you've ever had a child or ever met a child, you know this. Their hearts aren't any less fallen and sinful than ours. They want to live for themselves. They want to live for the blessings that God gives at times. Just as we have to tune our hearts to train our hearts, we need to train their hearts to know the truth. And we have to do that diligently, our text reminds us. Train our hearts to remember the truth. Train their hearts to remember the truth. We must be diligent, stay connected to the Word, and continue to faithfully teach these things to the lives of those that we love. We can't grow weary of teaching these truths to our children. We can't grow weary of teaching these truths to ourselves. And it must, be, it must simply become part of who we are. They'll see it in our lives, and then they must hear us teaching it to them diligently. That's why we also see that, that part of what we're to do is talk of the commands of God, talk of them in every moment of your life. Beginning in, again in verse 7, it, it reads, You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless be, before your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. If you are a disciple, there is no moment of your life that you can't use to be passing your faith on to others. We need to take every moment captive in our lives and see it as a discipleship opportunity, especially with our children. When we're sitting at home, we should talk of God. When, when we're walking by the way, we should tell of His grace and of His mercy. And when we lie down and when we rise, we should recount the blessings of God in our life and give praise and thanks to Him for His gracious and lavish love upon us. You see, there's no corner of our life that's beyond the scope and control of God, and there's no corner of our life that cannot be used diligently to teach our children about God. I think these, these final verses are a challenge for us and anyone that, that we want to disciple, that, that we need to do whatever it takes to grow in your relationship with the Lord. No matter where you are, no matter what you are doing, love God and communicate that love to others. Do whatever it takes to remember these things. You know, the older I get, the more forgetful I am. 
If you've had a conversation with me in the foyer on a Sunday, oftentimes you'll see me whip out my phone and, and, you know, I'm not checking the weather or anything like that. I'm sending myself a text or an email so that I can actually remember the conversation that we've had. And and that's just something that I do. Uh, I'll send that off and then later when I've got time, I'll, I'll actually put it in a note somewhere else or something to help me remember these things. And that's really not any different other than the technology used of what we're commanded to do here. God tells us, write them on your hand. Write my commands on your hand. Keep them on your forehead. Keep them before your eyes. Write them on your doorpost. Write them on your gates. Do whatever it takes to remember these things so that you can grow in your love for God. Do whatever it takes so that you can remember these things and apply them to your lives. God has given us some simple yet powerful truth in these verses. Know God. Love God. Obey His commands out of your deep love for Him. And teach others to do the same. Do it in every area of your life. Do it diligently. And don't let yourself forget. Our current vernacular would probably say we need to be, live lives that are sold out for Christ. We need to live lives that are completely encapsulated with Christ. And, and so that is how we must live our lives. But we also should have a subtle reminder that this, these commands were given to God's people in the Old Testament. They were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. They knew nothing of the permanent indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. They knew nothing of what we talked about last week, how the Holy Spirit, when we are in Christ, empowers us for all of those kinds of ministries. They were simply, by faith, walking and believing God and obeying His commands in the hope of what was yet to come. But we, on this side of the cross, we know that Christ died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with Him. And that because we can know that kind of a love from God, we have the opportunity to disciple others into knowing God in an intimate and a personal way. We have the opportunity to help people to see their need for Christ, that they can be saved, and that they can walk all the days of their life in a way that is pleasing to God through His Holy Spirit in them. It is such a great joy it is a great privilege, and it is a great responsibility. But if we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that, it's impossible. In a moment, we're going to close with the song, Lord, I Need You, to remind us that, that we are to be doing these things in our lives, but it is impossible without the power of Christ through His Holy Spirit living in us. You see, discipleship is always happening. We're either discipling people around us or the world is discipling them. Which would you have? Dads, we need to be involved. We need to be intentional. We need to make use of every opportunity to help our children know our love for God, our commitment to Him, and to teach them His ways. That's what it means for us to disciple. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going. 
God wants us to make disciples of all nations, and he wants you and I to do it out of our great love for him. Let's pray together. Father, we are so very aware of your worth and our unworthiness. Father, I don't know where we would be without the love of Christ in us. And Father, I pray that, that we who know the truth of your word would be diligent to teach your truth to ourselves, to hear your word, to apply it to our lives, and to teach it to others. I thank you for fathers who know you. May they diligently teach these things to their children. And Father, for those of us sir, that are here today that don't have kids at home anymore or, or may never have had children, help them to see that a life lived for Christ can have a great impact on so many around them if they will be making disciples. Father, we can't do this without you. And so we ask you, we plead with you to help us because, Lord, we need you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.